or I guess just the Klingemans, Eminette, Klingeman, they're in Guam, just please pray for them. Um, okay, uh, I guess we're going to pray now. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for letting uh, everybody get here safely. Uh, pray for the Klingemans in Guam. Pray for their ministry. Be with the speakers and everyone who is participating in the teen takeover service. Let all these things be done in glory and honor to you. Amen. Wait, I forgot one thing. Uh, the Hope in Christ Ministries meeting after service in the sanctuary. See Jeanette. All right, we're all going to sing a song this evening. So if you'd please stand with me. We're going to sing Blessed Be the Name. Blessed be the name, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name, blessed be the name, blessed be the name of the Lord. His name above all names shall stand, exalted more and more. At God the Father's own right hand, where angels Blessed be the name, blessed be the name, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name, blessed be the name, blessed be the name of the Lord. His name shall be the Counselor, the mighty Prince of Peace. Father's kingdom's conqueror, whose reign shall never cease. Blessed be the name, blessed be the name, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name, blessed be the name, blessed be the name.
when I was talking to people in my workplace, then with several friends that I've known for years. People who grew up in church are being driven away. Sometimes it's because of personal problems, relational conflicts, or just intolerance, but over and over again, people are walking out of the church never to return. So I started digging. I started looking into the Bible to see how we have to approach people and how to avoid driving away the very people we are supposed to be reaching with the gospel. And what I found were two distinct approaches that we need that almost seemingly contradict each other, but we have to find a balance between the two. In Matthew 5.13, Jesus speaks in his Sermon on the Mount, Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing, but to be then cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it on a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Jesus tells the Christians to be salt and light. These are two metaphors. Salt is a preserving force, something that is used not just to flavor, but to preserve and to keep. The church is moral preservation in a world that is slowly rotting in sin. And the light illuminates the truth. We show what is right and what is wrong. We speak the truth, the gospel, the Bible that we read, without apology. Salt and light, they go hand in hand. We stand for what is right and therefore drive away corruption. You, if you want to, you can turn to John 13. John t- the second approach stands in contrast to that. In John 13, 34 through 35, Jesus speaks to his disciples at the Last Supper. A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. Verse 35. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. Love thy neighbor as thyself. This is the second greatest commandment. We are to show the love of God to all men, regardless of what they may have done. God's people are a people of love. And if we do not learn to love, we push away the very people that we are trying to reach. And this is where it comes together. This is the nuance. We love the person, but we confront their sin. So how do we balance this salt and light with love? First, we have to be steadfast in the Bible. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as we know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. You can't, you can't help them unless you believe you understand what you believe, and you study it on your own. Secondly, we show the love of God to everyone who needs it. 
John 15, 12, this is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. And finally, we comfort them. We confront their sin in the right spirit. Galatians 6, 11. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. For the teens specifically, tomorrow that is us. We need to step up and that's why we're having this service. This is what we're practicing for. We're practicing to reach out to the community around us. Because it's not us who changes the person. It is the Holy Spirit that changes them from the inside out. We speak the truth in love. We develop that relationship. We help people overcome their problems in a biblical way, out of genuine care for them, out of genuine love, the same love that Jesus showed us. Because truth without that relationship will just turn them away. So don't deal with sin without the love of God. Go be that salt and light. Go say, I don't accept your sinful decisions. I don't accept your sin, but I accept you as a person that Jesus died for. Let me tell you how he changed my life forever. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for allowing us to assemble here in your name. Please let our church be a light in this dimming world and show the love of Jesus to all. I pray that we can take these lessons and apply them and serve you. Amen. Hello. Birthdays and anniversaries this past week. Do we have any birthdays and anniversaries this past week? Anyone? You. How long have you known the Lord? My age? Do you know how old I am? Well, praise the Lord. Anyone else? How old are you? How old? How long have you known the Lord? Good for you. Amen. Anyone? Anyone else? Rebecca Ruley. Okay, well, how old are you? You're 19? How long have you known the Lord? Good for you. Get him in. Anyone else? Is that it? Okay, we'll have the men come forward for offering. Okay. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day that you've given us to come here and learn more about you, Lord. Please be with our speakers this evening. Please speak through them. Touch our hearts, Lord. And be with the offering and lead us with your hand. In your name I pray. Amen.
please turn your Bibles with me to Mark chapter 12, verse 30 and 31. Verse 30, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second, second is like, namely this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than this. Tonight I'm going to be talking about God's love. My first point is God's love. In first, verse 30, we, we clearly see God say, that above all, we should love with our heart, our soul, and our mind. First John 4, 8 says, He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. If God did not love us, then he would not have sent his Son to die for us. God asks for nothing less than everything that we have. And giving your all for Christ means you are going to have to sacrifice some things along the way. Which leads into my second point, which is love is sacrificial. There are going to be some storms in your life, some trials that you're going to go through. You can ask any married couple in this room, teenager. And in marriage, those trials you will face are no longer just yours. They become your spouse's too. Maybe you lost your job, or maybe you're battling cancer. It takes a lot of love for a husband or a wife to stand by each other and say, I am with you no matter what we go through. In the second half of Matthew, Matthew 28, 20, Jesus says, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Is, is that the, the kind of love that you are showing each other in your marriage? When you become married, you will quickly realize that there is a lot of sacrifice involved, especially when you have kids. Ephesians 5.25 says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church, and gave himself for it. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We see Jesus die on the cross for us, paying the ultimate price and sacrifice because he loved us unconditionally. My third point is, if you love God, you love all. Read verse 31 again. And the second is like it, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Romans 13.8 says, Own no man anything but to love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled thy law. Are you loving those around you and showing compassion and forgiveness? Or, or are we quick to anger and frustration when someone does wrong towards us? Parents, your kids are always watching you. You're one of their biggest role models in life. They see the way you treat each other in your marriage and the way you treat others around you. So are you showing love, forgiveness, and compassion like God shows us? If we love God, then we should be giving him the honor and the glory. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. If you want to honor God, you will love others regardless of what they do to you. On the cross, Jesus never stopped loving and forgiving, even the ones who were crucifying him and the ones that hated him the most and treated him the worst. He still loved. Luke 23.34 says, Jesus says this, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. 
Jesus says this on the cross while hanging from his hands and feet after being beaten and wearing the crown of thorns, and he still chooses to love the ones who did it to him. So are we letting the wrong actions of others stop us from loving them, or are we forgiving them like Christ did for us? So I challenge you tonight, are we loving unconditionally like Christ? Are we prepared to make sacrifices in order to show our love? And three, are we letting our light shine? Are people looking at us and thinking, wow, they really love those around them? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this uh, opportunity that me and teenagers have tonight to come here and worship you and share the things that are on our heart, preachers, Lord, and pray for the rest of the night. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Cooper. We're going to sing one more song tonight, so if you please stay with me. We're going to sing As the Deer. those of the congregation which are able, please stand for the reading of God's word. The book of Joshua, chapter 1, verses 10 through 18. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the host and command the people, saying, Prepare you victuals, for, for within three days ye shall pass over this Jordan to go into possess the land 
which the Lord your God giveth you to possess it. And to the Reubenites, and to the Gadites, and to half the tribe of Manasseh, spake Joshua, saying, Remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God has given you rest, and has given you this land. Your wives, your little ones, and your cattle shall remain in the land which Moses gave you on this side Jordan. But ye shall pass before your brethren armed, all the mighty men of valor, and help them. Until the Lord have given your brethren rest, as he has given you, and they also have possessed the land which the Lord your God giveth them, then he shall return unto the land of your possession, and enjoy it, which Moses, the Lord's servant, gave you on this side Jordan, toward the sun rising. And they answered Joshua, saying, All that thou commandest us we will do, and whithersoever thou sentest us we will go. According as we hearken unto Moses in all things, so will we hearken unto thee. Only the Lord thy God be with thee, as he was with, as he was with Moses. Whosoever he be, he be that doth rebel against thy commandment, and will not hearken unto thy words in all that thou commandest him, he shall be put to death. Only be strong and have a good courage. May the Lord prosper his word to where he sent it. You may be seated. cross grace made me whole when my savior took control and washed my sins away now the fellowship is sweet as i worship at his feet only by his grace this holy place. 
in my God above. Grace for every name I need. Grace that overflows and far exceeds. Lavished on my soul at Calvary. Only by His grace. Every heart I hope to reach, every truth I try to teach, every life I strive to serve is by grace, grace I don't deserve. turn to Philippians 2.12. We'll begin there. And as you guys are turning there, I want to ask you all a question. Who all has a fear? You can raise your hands. It's fine. Okay, not everyone's raising their hands, apparently. Not everyone fears something. <laughs> but everyone has fears. I myself have my own fears. And I'll share one of them, just be a little bit open with you guys. Uh, my fear is failing. I feel like if I fail, everyone's going to hate me. Um, I failed God. I failed my parents. Um, but we all have a little bit of sense of fear. And uh, yesterday, I had a little something going on. And just the whole time, I was worrying, fearing, uh, thinking God put me here for a reason, but I don't want to disappoint him. I don't want to disappoint my parents. Uh, a lot of people came to this event that I was doing, and I just didn't want to disappointment or disappoint them. So I had this over sense of fear, and I just had to step aside and uh, talk to God a little bit, saying, "You gave me this strength for a reason. Now I got to show everyone else." that you gave me this, and uh, I just want to glorify you in everything I do. So let's go ahead and read this verse, and then I'll list off a few other verses, and then I'll address the main point. So Philippians 2, 12, 17, and 18. 
Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence, only but now, much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Verse 17. Yea, and I be offered up upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. For the same cause also do ye joy and rejoice with me. And then Proverbs 1, 18, 13, and then 9, 10. Uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise the wisdom and instruction. Uh, 18.13 says, The fear of the Lord is the hate of evil pride, arrogance, and the evil way, and the forward mouth, and do I hate. So speaking without thinking, or, yeah. So speaking without thinking, as we often do, we just blurt out anything that comes to our mind, it offends people often, and Sometimes you just need to st uh, take a step back, think of what we're about to say, and then address the situation. And then Proverbs 9.10, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. So the main point in the title of this message is there's two types of fear, godly fear and ungodly fear. And then I'm going to talk about what they are and how we can address them biblically. Godly fear has... Two parts, A, the fear of God, and B, reasonable fear of danger or difficulty. When our fears fall into these categories, we are not sinning. So, letter A is the first point of this. The fear of God is acknowledgement and awe of who God is, which causes either complete and glad submission of his loving will or terror of his judgment. We are all commanded to fear God. So I have also two positives and then one negative to this uh, main idea. Number one, positive godly fear. Fearing God brings knowledge and understanding. That's the first positive. Second positive, with that being said, makes us better at understanding God's word so we can share with others. And then the third point is a negative. Ungodly fear focuses on ourselves. If you want to turn to 1 Timothy 1.7, and we're going to read verses 7 and 8. Bless you. There that was. I'm going to assume you're all there. I don't hear any more page sharing. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but the power and love, and not of a sound mind. Verse 8. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the, of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me is his prisoner, but be thou partake of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Ungodly fear is an intimidating and often paralyzing fear. Research has shown that 85% of men's fear of 85% of men's emotional and physical ills are brought on by fear. Anytime we cease to focus focus on God and others, because of fear, we are experiencing ungodly fear. When we do this, we are focused on ourselves. For example, let's say you're out at lunch or dinner, and someone's sitting by themselves, and that then is God giving you the opportunity to share the gospel with someone. But instead, 
what we often do as people is we overthink and start worrying, start fearing of what could go wrong or, oh, they might not want to hear what I have to say. They might judge me for what I'm about to talk about. They might not want to listen to me. They might not want to, I don't know, carry on a conversation. Maybe they're having a bad day and they don't want me bothering them. So, with that all being said, we have committed, or we have committed a sin in a way because we are fearing what God has given to us. He has given us the opportunity to share His word. So, we need to take, a, take the time, ask God for guidance, then going and talking to them head on. So, you don't have to flip to this verse, but it goes along with what I'm saying. Psalm 56, 3-4. What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. Verse 4. In God I will praise his word. In God I have put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do unto me. And then, with that saying, I have five uh, sub-points for letter B. Letter A. God is with me. God is my God. God will strengthen me. God will help me. And God will uphold me. We fail to do what we should do because we are afraid of what might happen. We are fearful in an ungodly fashion. We hear, so we fear in an ungodly fashion. Knowing these two kinds of fears is essential so that we fear what we should fear and we do not fear what we should not fear. Therefore, when you fear, ask yourself, is this something I should fear or not? So let me ask you this, anyone can blur out the answer, how many days are there in a year? 365, unless you're Pletcher and want to be smart and say 366. So, in the Bible, the phrase, do not be afraid, is listed 365 times. This is a daily reminder from God to live every day being fearlessly, being fearlessly but not yet only fear the ungodly, in our lives. So, bringing this all together, my challenge for you guys tonight is what kind of fear do you have? Godly fear? Fearing that God is the most powerful, He can do anything, or ungodly fear? Fear of the world, fear of the worldly things, and fear of what others think about our faith. That is all I have.
All right. Well, a lot of people asked me if I was nervous. My answer is, it doesn't matter. I'm up here right now. <laughs> so, obviously, for all you Star Wars fans, we just learned about fear. So, fear leads to anger. So, now we're going to talk about anger and forgiveness. Now, first we've got to say, what is anger? Anger, it's a strong feeling of annoyance, displeasure, and even hostility. All right? For me, anger really... It comes out best when I'm in the shower and someone knocks on the door while I'm taking it. I instantly get mad and will start yelling. Don't do that when I'm in the shower. So before we get started, let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for everything you've done for us. Today I just pray that you'll help me to preach your word to the best of my ability. And I just pray that you'll help everyone here to leave with something and um, really just apply what has been said to their lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, so the last time that I got angry that I can remember, so I went on a senior trip recently, and it was great. We went to the wilds, and then we went to Gatlinburg. But before this, the rest of my senior class decided to prank the school. They put balloons in the stairwell and completely filled it. Now, I didn't participate in this, all right, but it was really funny. But afterwards, when I got back, the school thought it would be funny to prank the seniors back. So they filled my car with the balloons. It was really funny until I opened my door and saw glitter and confetti all over my car. That was a little bit over the top. So I... I think it's safe to say I was a little angry on the way home, and Jonas, he can testify for me. But all fun and games, I quickly drove home, and I did what I always did do because I get angry a lot. I learned to forget and forgive, so I went to bed and just completely spaced it, and I was fine the next morning. But for some of you, you might be thinking, it's not that easy, you can't just forget and forgive. Well, yeah, you can if you're saved. If you're not, so people will say I'm an angry person. I am not an angry person. I am a Christian who's struggling with the sin of anger. So the difference is if, if you're saved, you're not necessarily an angry person. You're just struggling with a sin. If you're not saved, get saved. You're, <laughs> you're an angry person. So First, I'm going to read Psalm 37, 8. It says, Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. Now, in that verse, it talks about being wise. We all know what a wise person is. It's someone who knows what is right and chooses to do right. Now, um, a fool, they know what's wrong and choose, well, know what's right and choose to do wrong. So, um, these next two verses that I'm going to read hint on being a fool while also being angry. So I'm going to read Proverbs 14, 16, and 17. And they say, A wise man feareth and departeth from evil, but the fool rageth and is confident. He that is soon angry dealeth foolishly, and a man of wicked devices is hated. Now, in Ecclesiastes 7, let me find that real fast. It's right after this. Okay, in Ecclesiastes 7, 9, it says, 
Be not hasty in thy spirit to be angry, for anger resteth in the bosom of fools. So I think all I can speak for all of us here. We don't want to be fools, right? Okay. So don't make the foolish choice of being angry. Being angry, it's not just something that happens. It's a choice. You choose to be angry. Now, how can we stop making foolish choices and being angry? Well, we're going to look at a few verses to figure that out. If you want to turn to Ephesians 4:31 and 32, I'm going to read it. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. That is a direct command from God, telling you to put off all those things, anger, clamor, evil speaking. Let it be put away from you. God doesn't just put stuff in the Bible. He puts it there for a reason. It's direct orders from him. This is our one way of speaking to God other than praying and this is his direct words. He's telling us to do this. In the next verse it says, Be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. Now, I know this verse a lot because my dad would always say it to me because of my siblings. We didn't get along very often, and he would say this all the time as a joke, and eventually it got annoying. But it made a lot of sense. He was give, telling me what God has commanded of me. Now, let's go to Colossians 3.8 where it says, But now ye also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. This is God telling us again to put away these things because that is not what he designed us for. It's not our purpose. I know in my life, when it comes to role models, God's obviously number one. If you can think of someone who's a better role model, I'm all ears, but you're not going to think of someone, so don't even try. All right? So... In my life, I try to be most like God, like I can, as much as I physically can be. Now, God, he is quick to forgive, friend and foe. So I'm trying to be more like him when I say I forgive this, the Colonial Christian School for pranking me and putting glitter in my car. Like, I want to be like God. I want to try my best to be like Jesus. So for the application, I just challenge you all to be more like God. Whether friend or foe, learn to forgive like Jesus did. And instead of being angry, be at peace knowing God is here to help. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for letting me come out and preach to all these people. I just pray that what I've said here will really stick in their heads, and uh, I pray that them leaving here, they'll apply it to their lives and not forget it. Um, be quick to forgive and slow to wrath. And I just pray that you'll help every single person here. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, well, if Pastor John doesn't want to say anything. Uh, <laughs> great. Do you, do you want your mic? No, that's all right. All right. Oh, uh, this has been spectacular. So we're going to say something because we need to have an invitation to be salt and light and to love as we ought to love, right? Uh, that's what God has called us to do uh, in dealing with God's love that, um, you know, that we would, uh, let's see if I can read my own handwriting, 
uh, that we would love everyone that God has brought into our way and that we would love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and show forth that in our testimonies as well. That we would deal with the fears that are in our lives, that uh, we would deal with the ungodly fears and put them out and learn how to have godly fear and to love God and to fear God as we ought. And uh, then to put away anger, wrath, malice, all of those things. Several challenges. And uh, it's really now for us to, uh, to come decision time, right? So uh, thank you, teenagers. That was some of the best preaching we've had. Phenomenal. We appreciate what you've done. Let's stand. And uh, let's first pray. And then we're going to go into invitation. Father, thank you for the word that has gone forth, for the sweet uh, songs of praise to you that uh, helped us to consider why it is that we ought to consider you worthy of our lives and worthy of following. And thank you for the challenges that have been put before us and teach us, God, to love, to put away anger, teach us to put away the fears that are crippling our lives and our testimonies and our willingness to witness. And Lord, help us to uh, be salt and be light and show the world Jesus. May we uh, be challenged to step up and live life in greater fashion. And Father, we'll thank and praise you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's sing All I Ever Want to Be. That's fantastic. We'll sing that together. The altar's open to you. You step out and let the Lord have his way as he's spoken to your hearts. seen why I think Southeast Baptist Tabernacle is about the best place on the planet. I love this church, and thank you, teenagers. You did a great job from beginning to end. So proud of you. Proud of you. Really am. Anything else I'm supposed to be announcing? Teens can change and you head out. Thank you. There's, so there's three things happening. There's a meeting for those of you who are involved in the uh, the Hope in Christ Ministries for uh, Cancer. Uh, teenagers are going to get ready to take off. And those of you who have nothing else, just pressing, everything that's in the nursery needs to come out of the nurseries so that we can uh, lay down new carpet this week, Lord willing. That's the goal. That's why everything else is out there from the office. So we'll move the nursery stuff into the fellowship hall. And um, if something happens that it's not down by Wednesday then just know that there won't be a nursery on Wednesday, all right? So it'll be self-serve type of thing on Wednesday. Anything else that I'm supposed to announce? Thank you. Thank you all for coming. Again, teenagers, let's give those teenagers a hand. They just did a wonderful job.
The Lord bless you, keep you, make his face shine upon you, give you peace. God bless you, you are dismissed.